0: Welcome. You're listening to the Well-Engaged Podcast, an unscripted conversation between myself, Gareth Shackleton, and osteopath Paul Tootelman about health, well-being, engagement in life and business. We go off-piste, we go here, there, and everywhere. So strap up, buckle in, and get ready for a wide-ranging discussion about all things about life. Enjoy. Good morning everybody, welcome to Lionheart Radio, uh, you're listening to Well Engaged on 107.3 FM, I'm here with uh, my usual host, Paul, Paul Tutundon, how are you doing Paul?
1: Good morning Garth, yeah, I'm very well thanks, I've just had a lovely week off and um, yeah buzzing, loads of sunshine, loads of time with the family, loads of time with the kids, everybody's healthy, everybody's happy, yeah we're, 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 we're good, everything's good a, minute. a of difference when
0: the sun shines,
1: doesn't it? Oh, big time. Anyway, hey.
0: Yeah, I'm very well as well. Thank you. Uh, been enjoying the, the outdoors and the countryside that we have here in Northumberland. It's fantastic. Uh, so this week we've um, we've got a special guest with us. So uh, I'll introduce Victoria. And uh, so Victoria Victoria Hart. She's joined us today to talk about a new venture. Um, you know the, the show that we, we run here every week is about life and business and, and being fully engaged in everything that you do. And uh, I think Victoria's new venture really fits that bill and uh, excited to have her on today and uh, to talk more about what that venture is and how she helps people and uh, uh, to be more engaged. So uh, welcome, Victoria. Good to have you on the show.
2: Thank you. Good morning, Gareth. Good morning, Paul. Nice to be Good. here.
0: And good morning, the whole of Northumberland.
2: And good morning to
0: Northumberland, <laughs> <laughs> You're not based in Northumberland, are you?
2: No, I'm based in uh, semi-sunny Watford in Hertfordshire, currently.
0: Hertfordshire, right. Yeah. So, um, well, it's good to have you on the show despite that, and I guess your <laughs> uh, your business interests and the way you help people is, uh, is not just located in Hertfordshire. So, uh...
2: No, no. No, you can reach people um, all around the world, really, um, with what we do. So, yeah.
0: Very good, very good. So, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, I'm sure we'll jump into um, other details, but uh, you know, to kick things off, you know, who are you? What do you do? And uh, you know, what's this new venture?
2: Okay, sure. I'd love to. Um, so, I'm part of a new um, holistic coaching um, organization, and we are called the Academy of Conscious Creators. Um, and it was been born out of work that um, the three of us have been doing um, for many years. Um, and that involves personal development, uh, spiritual growth, um, studies in human behaviour, understanding what it means to be human, um, as well as um, personal energy management. Um, So there are three of us, um, myself, Pete Anglin and Mahesh Taylor. Um, So Pete and I are probably more the face of the business and Mahesh supports us um, behind the scenes. Um, And what we do is we guide people, to reach their full health um potential and purpose um by really helping them to overcome like limiting belief patterns mm. and learn behaviors you know part of our conditioning um, that we've you know learned as we've been growing up so that they can actually then start to create the story of their life um, start to live the life that they want to be living um, and we do this by working fully with the individual, so it's a full holistic um, approach where we support their physical, mental, emotional, and their spiritual well-being.
0: Wow. Okay. So, how do you how do you get to start in this venture? I mean, I, I don't. But like me, you know, nobody leaves school thinking they're going to be, um, in, you know, a, a conscious creator. <laughs> um. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your history, your background and how you come to you know, be starting this venture.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I didn't actually realise I'd be heading this path either from <laughs> school. But if I look back at um, all the things that I was interested in, I mean, certainly from a young age, my teens, I was very interested in uh, human behaviour um, and cultures. Um, I've always loved travelling and immersing myself in different cultures. And, you know, I realised that it doesn't matter where we're from, what kind of um, cultural um, upbringing we've had, we all face the similar struggles of what it means to be a human being. <laughs> um, and so, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've always been interested in spirituality and personal development. So I've been doing things to support myself. Um, probably saw it more as a hobby and something that I didn't really talk about um, to many people. Um, and my background's actually television. So for many years, I worked in TV. Uh, so I guess I'm a storyteller. Um, and part of that has helped me to move into this field because, you know, I'm able to hold space for people, help them draw out or or help draw out information about themselves so that they can start to unpick, you know, um, uh, their limiting belief patterns, I guess. So I've always had that, um, natural part of me to, um, to hold that space for people, and able to calm people um, when they might feel panicked or in moments of distress. Um, So it just seemed like a natural progression for me.
0: Wow, very good. Um, So you've been in television, so as an actor or?
2: No, no, well, um, both on sort of commissioning and production side of the business. Um, So work with some of the mainstream broadcasters as well as some smaller independents yeah Uh,
0: so the storytelling side of things that comes through as something that's important you know from the past but you know you use that as a thread now so tell us a little bit more about storytelling and how you help people
2: uh, that way well I guess you know we've all got a story to tell haven't we and um, often we get caught up in our stories and they can be quite um, you know, this happened to me and this is, this is who we identify with, you know, often our problem stories. So what we do in the academy is, uh, work with people to help them change that story, which is via, you know, their mindset and their belief systems and help them to create a new story that they want to be living. Um, I mean, have our, our sense of belief, you know, what we believe actually, um, is how we perceive the world, how we perceive the outside reality. So the minute we change our belief system, then we're actually able to change our perception and have a new experience.
1: It's interesting. That's really really interesting, isn't it? So, earlier on, you mentioned about um, everybody from various cultures going through different struggles. So, what are the struggles of being a human being? Are there common loops that people get stuck on? You sort of meet people and five minutes into the conversations, it becomes clear that there are some similarities between people.
2: Well, certainly I think we all struggle with mental and emotional issues. Um, a lot of that is probably conditioned in our, from our family upbringing, our family dynamics, obviously our schooling our society that, we, that we've been brought up in. Um, so I think, you know, and also whether we're a man or a woman, I think, you know, depending women, certainly from different cultures, we might all share um, the fact that really over the last, what is it, maybe 50, 60 years that we've transitioned our role in, in society um, from the role that was historically the woman stayed home, uh, took care of the family. So we're, we're learning all the time. Um, and I think it doesn't matter what language we speak or, you know, how we've been brought up, we still struggle with the same emotions or mental um, health problems. Um, anything from, you know, low self-esteem to trying to navigate our lives, whether we've had a supportive upbringing or not.
0: That's a really interesting point that you know the the transition of, of women in the workplace and not being having that traditional role of staying at home yeah. rearing the children uh, is only 50 or 60 years and we've got millennia of time before that uh, of evolution you know, as a species in which perhaps that was the role and now we. we very much moved away from that only in the last 50 years and we're all learning how to deal with that it does explain a lot of the um trouble and strife that uh, you know, that exists in the world around that transition does not it it's only 50 years old
2: right and exactly yeah yeah and also we carry with us you know patterns and behaviors learned from the generations before us so these are the things that we're trying to work through so that we can overcome them um, and start creating, you know, fitting in a lot better, feeling like we can manage it better.
0: How much do you think we need to recognise the, the I hesitate to say, genetic element of, of that whole story, but the evolutionary element of that whole story as well, That you know, there are different roles for men and women in, uh, in life, you know, regardless of the civilization that we've put around that society that we've put around it, there are different roles for men and women. And and almost what we're doing now, and the way that society is now, where women have moved out of the home into, into work, and I'm not against that by the way, I'm just trying to very carefully put this into words. Um yeah, how much and we're fighting against that evolutionary history and, and, and that's causing problems.
2: Well, yeah, I think you raised some uh, valid points there because, um, you know, you see a lot of women that are really embodying a, a masculine role in the workplace, and so, you know, in some ways, they're losing their feminine touch, their femininity, um, so that they can compete in that you know, male-dominated environment. Mm. Um, I guess we we see that a lot of women are maybe having children later in life now because they're pursuing their career first. Um, And, yeah, I guess I don't know how that fits with men, seeing, you know, women, you know, in this more competitive role or how, how that they you know, they see it and respond to it as well. So yeah. I think you're right. I think we're all kind of learning, well, how, how do we work with that? How does it fit? And how do we balance those two kind of energies that are within all of us?
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I've, I've been doing a lot of um, research around you know, management theory recently. And You go back to the 1920s, 30s, when people started talking about that kind of thing uh, and putting serious theory together. And it was very male-dominated. And a lot of the theory around leadership and management in the workplace in particular, up until probably the 60s or 70s, is male-dominated. There's very little room for, uh, I guess, female psychology in that uh, whole theory. Mm. And now, you know, I think I think the workplace is a far better place for having a much better mix of, of the human race in it. Um, yeah. But... You know, we still probably haven't really caught up and there's an awful lot of learning to be done both in practice and in in theory
2: oh absolutely i mean there's changes on both sides and mm-hmm. uh, learnings along the way
0: yeah um, good and it's changing those belief structures isn't it i mean that's what your venture is all about it's changing people's beliefs and uh, uh and i guess understanding not just you know, the outcomes that people are looking for, but perhaps also some of the unintended consequences.
2: Right, right. Yeah, because we, we start to play out the same patterns if we're not aware of it. Mm. Um, so we, we might have a completely new experience, you know, a new situation with, with different characters in the, in the story, but we start to recognise that, oh, hang on, this feels a bit familiar. And we realise that because we've got these certain conditioned behaviors or limiting belief patterns that again we're just bringing that into the new scenario um so often then we might create a disappointing experience again (laughs) because we haven't yet been able to move through that
0: fall back on the same pattern again Mm. right
2: Yeah. yeah and it's not easy to recognize particularly if you know that's been part of our sort of um programming should we say from you know the way our family behaves you know that's normal for us mm. and we all have our version of normal
0: <laughs> yeah comfort zone that we all fall back into paul i think you're trying to say something well there's, there's loads
1: funny. of the and ask questions on, but i'm really intrigued mm-hmm. it's um it's fascinating there's particularly family traumas um how difficult it is not to just keep repeating those things. They just seem to <laughs> just seem to keep flowing along. Um, so what, what can you do for people? I mean, because for a start, people have got to be aware that they want to make a change, right? I mean, most people, if they're on the receiving end of their self-limiting beliefs, they're probably going to have low self-esteem. They're probably going to think, oh, do what is is me and like they're stuck in the and they can't get help. They've, they've probably got themselves into a financial position, which is quite difficult, and they feel that they can't afford to go and get help. So who is it that typically will pick up a phone or send you an email and say, look, I, I really need some help here. Like, what's going on?
2: Well, good points, because I was that person, um, hiding behind emails, low self-esteem, um, and, again, to you know, I think you raised a valid point about investment because I discovered that actually the best investment I can make is in myself, in my personal development because I can send myself on all the sales and marketing courses, but if I've still got self-doubt and low self-esteem, that's not going to make the slightest bit of difference um, in my uh, progression. So really good points there. Um, but typically we work with um, Uh, people who are feeling stuck I guess Um, and it could be one they feel stuck and they really don't know where to go Um, or the second type of client is feeling stuck they know where they want to get to but they just don't know how to get there and like you say possibly keep you know going around in a loop Um, so we offer we have some three types of services that we offer at the moment One is a free experiential service and that enables um, a potential client to effectively try before you buy. um, So they get to experience uh, the type of coaching that we would offer. And that also allows us as the coaches to determine um, whether we're a good fit and whether we feel that we might be able to help that person. Um, The second is more of a drop-in service that we call panic to possibility. Um, And that's for people that might have an immediate challenge or they're feeling a bit distressed or um, in crisis and they want to jump on for a one-off session where we can guide them, uh, where we might be able to help them unlock um, some blocks and, and get clarity on what sort of the next steps to take. Um, and then for people who are more serious about committing to making a positive impact in their life, we offer a 12 week coaching programme. And that's where they really start to become more aware of the patterns that they hold within themselves. And then they can, by being more aware, they can obviously then start to make the necessary changes. Um, so I think for, for us, you know, there's that saying, uh, seeing is believing. But we like to say believing is seeing, um, because as soon as we start to change our perception, we start to see a new experience.
1: Any little twist on words? <laughs> and so you mentioned that you take a approach, you and your team, uh, and my technical capabilities are really. Subpar on this one, so I accidentally uh, logged myself out of the meeting <laughs> just as I was getting to the good bit. <laughs> you work with people on a physical level uh, to do with physical growth, um, spiritual growth, and I kind of got the feeling there would be another leg to that stool which I didn't hear. Oh,
2: so no, how, what is it? I didn't mention <laughs> <You work> it. With- <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> okay. So, what does the, what does holistic mean in terms of your approach with people? How do you work with people on a physical and a spiritual and you tie these things together
2: sure thanks for asking um well pete and i actually met um when we were studying energy management um through the mortar institute of bioenergetics now bioenergetics is um i find really fascinating because it bridges science with spirituality and it's um what it is is a dynamic um therapy i guess so it links physical Uh, pains or physical uh, distress in the body with our mindset and so um, yeah if we think if we think of our body as like a circuit board perhaps let's imagine our body's a circuit board and over time our experiences um, might have shut down certain parts of that circuit board So there's disconnect in the board. So the energy in the body is not flowing fully. Um, And that of course causes physical pains. Um, We have uh, suppressed emotions. So we use a series of um, tools and techniques which help to reconnect those broken circuits so that the energy in the body starts to flow more fully um, and therefore suppressed emotions um, start to be released, um, and we discover that the unhappiness, um, uh, the so that sorry, the the suppressed emotions release, and that's mainly what's been causing us unhappiness, anger, and physical distress. Does that make sense?
1: It does. It's music to my ears. Really, I'm aware <laughs> in the past when I've I've been working with people, um, sometimes these circuit boards have been developed for a reason (laughs) ultimately it holds them back from achieving well I suppose a better version of themselves they're always going to be a little bit lacklustre with regards to their achievements or they're just not going to feel like they're getting out of life what they should but sometimes to go along and open up those cans of worms can cause them a lot of distress in the short term um, probably stuff that they weren't banking on feeling. They were, you know, <laughs> I didn't come here to feel like this. I came here to, to get better, not to get worse. But is there an element of having to sort of strip everything right back? I mean, in a sense, it's going to feel worse before it's going to get better for some people?
2: Um, well, yeah, I mean, certainly that's a possibility. Um, and we don't claim to be medical um, practitioners the service that we offer is complementary to any medical support that somebody might be receiving at the time. And the idea is that we consistently and gently move them so they start to shift. And so as their awareness grows and they start to have those aha moments of, ah, I see what I've been doing, or I see what's been causing me this physical pain in my body or, you know, whatever it is, And we're there to hold that space so that they can unpick it um, without, obviously, um, yeah, it should should be a a more organic way so that each step that they uncover, they're they're ready for, um, mentally, emotionally and physically, they're ready for it.
1: And part of that, you can kind of qualify because they wouldn't be asking for help if they weren't in some way prepared to change, are they?
2: Right exactly. It's
1: really interesting I've always said with with Gareth that on on one end of a piece of string of a human being is a brain on the other end of that piece of string is their meat and their bone and and life sort of exists bouncing between those two things and what will have to have an impact on on someone's mind will be affecting what's on the other end of that piece of string to do with their body so Mm. do you ever find you get people coming in with mental problems or emotional issues which are actually strongly connected to the physical disabilities that they're experiencing or people come into you with pain whether it might not be physical pain i guess they might be looking at you know the emotional pain of life um i suppose what my question is what i'm trying to get at is how do you determine whether somebody's better off fiddling around with the, the mental component of their life or the physical component of their life or the spiritual component of their life how do you gauge that and how do you how do you gently Use one to affect the other.
2: Well, obviously, we're still quite a new venture, so um, uh, yeah, I haven't got a, a huge um, backlog of case studies, but we work at, we work as uh, with as it sorry with it as a whole. So um, it's working very much with the energy um, because whatever our emotion is there's always one like you said there's one end of that energy which we might describe as a um a more painful emotion that we're feeling and then there's the other end of that emotion which is brings us more joy but essentially it's the same it's the same feeling in the body um and as soon as we start to unravel work with the mind work with our mindsets and our beliefs and that helps us to release these blocked emotions, which should then therefore um, create more ease and comfort in the body. Um, I guess, so we've worked with people that have, I guess, addictions to controlling things. So they might um, have addictions to food and how they manage their food. And that's obviously a underlying, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Like they're using those control mechanisms perhaps to avoid feeling the pain of their mental and emotional distress or traumas that they've carried and not dealt with. Um, You know, we might be addicted to shopping, we'll be addicted to watching television, and they're all forms of distracting us from actually really looking at what's going on inside of our bodies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like a, a a hyena feasting on the carcass of so lots of fresh ideas here. There's, there's a <laughs> things I could ask, but um, Gareth, I'm going to hand it back to you. I, I need to get some structure back in here because I feel like I've, I've been too personal and hogged everything.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. I, it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, the thoughts going through my mind as I'm listening to, to that is, yeah, you know, because we've got here a, you know, Therapy of two different types. You know, we've got the physical therapy with Paul, uh, with the osteopathy. Um, you know, who often talks on the shore and, and often to his, his patients, as far as I understand, about uh, the emotional physical connection and how they, you know, they're, they're one thing. They're not two separate things. And and the interesting thing, from from my perspective, is you have. Know, from a psychological point of view, we often think about you know, the brain controlling the body. But actually, it's much more nuanced than that. The body and the brain are working together. They're interconnected. You can't separate the two. Mm. You can't say that one controls the other or anything like that. They're part of a whole. Um, but I guess you know you start to think like that And you start to blur lines in terms of what is medical because we make these artificial boxes don't we some things are medical and some things are spiritual and some things are um, intellectual and uh, emotional but if someone comes to you i mean what you've said is that they come to you because they're stuck that they can't achieve something I guess they're not coming to you when they're in physical pain, although they may get benefits that you release that pain. They're not coming to you because of pain. Is that right? Am I right in understanding?
2: Yeah, yeah. We don't do hands-on. Yeah, we don't do anything hands-on. It's um, the coaching takes place um, online, um, and actually, it's like you say, it's through working through the mental and emotional issues that that individual who may be also carrying physical pains may start to notice that they're, by doing this work, that the physical pain is also diminishing as a result. Um, But I think you raised some really good points because, you know, historically we've, um, you know, we've only sort of measured the type of um, intelligence around IQ and so um, what we, work with is more EQ, so going from uh, intellectual intelligence um, to recognising that emotional intelligence actually is also really important. Um, So we teach people to get more in touch with their intuitive and empathic intelligence, um, because there's more to the human ability to navigate our lives in that way. And also, I guess, base our success on how, on our level of happiness. Um, Because another thing I think Paul touched on earlier is, again, is, you know, achievement in life. Um, And again, for, you know, I don't know, for as long as we can remember, really, particularly in developed countries, you know, we've we've, um, based success on financial achievement. And, you know, if you're not a millionaire, then you haven't made it. But what about you know our health? What about our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, our family dynamics, um, our friendships, our passions, you know, our hobbies and interests? Those things seem to have you know taken a sideline. And so when Paul said earlier, asked earlier about a holistic approach, you know, that whole well-being—do I feel happy in all areas of my life? And there's always going to be some areas that are you know. We feel more happier in and others need a bit of work but the idea is to balance those all uh, all of those so that we feel like a whole human being living a, a full life
1: i find it really fascinating the concept that we would judge how well we're doing by how much money that we've got and yet it's like the more money that we have we keep using it to buy more experiences to try and fill that hole that to make us feel like we've achieved something. And it seems like a a bottomless pit that we just keep piling all this time and energy and money into when in actual fact, if you just start to just stop and appreciate what you've got, you don't actually need anything more. It's really interesting, Uh, you've taken on this venture and there's people out there, you obviously, especially especially through the um, COVID, it's been very easy for myself, particularly, but also people that I'm working with kind of shut down almost like it goes that they've been in energy reserve mode, like, because you don't know what's going to happen, right? So if you, you know, if the food runs out and the supermarkets aren't being stopped, I don't really want to waste time going to the gym or working out or doing exercise because I'm going to need that energy potentially go and forage for food, right? At least that's what was going through my head at the beginning of COVID. But you've come out of this and you've got a new venture going on. And this has obviously taken some work behind the scenes to get it to this point here. So how have you dealt with the Covid and the lockdown then? Has it been quite inspiring for you to get this project underway or, you know, what's it been like in terms of getting to this point?
2: Great question. Um, I think I've been fortunate because I've been doing this work for a while now, a long time, you know, even before I decided that I was going to make it into my career. So I think being able to ground myself um, and you know it's kind of metaphorical if we're grounded on the outside we can't go anywhere we can't do anything then it's a kind of sign to come and ground yourself within. So when you're able to ground yourself and be much more present in the moment life doesn't seem as stressful you know, there's always the what ifs, there's always gonna be the unknown. I mean, we've never known what's around the corner, really. We've never known, you know, how long our job's gonna last for all of these. There's, there's so many unknowns, but if we're able to ground ourselves, then we're much ab- more able to calmly um, get clarity and then know what the action steps are um, that we need to take. I think most of our stress in life is because we're worrying about things that haven't even happened yet and may not even happen. Um, And by doing that, we tend to create these things, you know, inadvertently, because that's where our attention is. Um, There's that saying, you know, wherever your attention goes, energy flows. So if you're constantly focused on lack and what you haven't got and what if, what if, and actually that's kind of what you end up creating whether you realise it or not
1: yeah you have to watch your thoughts
2: <laughs>
1: Thought, definitely and so where did you talk about being a storyteller and, and helping people be able to tell their own story so where did it start with you
2: um, I guess when I started to become more aware of what my normal was and uh, my family dynamics and realising that actually there wasn't, how do I put this, <laughs> my upbringing I guess was very much of the old model where children were seen and not heard. Um, so I think I often struggled to be heard to get my thoughts across Um, and if I had you know if I got emotional about something um, it wasn't something that you know my family tended to sit and ask questions you know what's causing this what's going on what's upset you it would more be oh you know this is not this is bad behavior and therefore you'd receive some form of, of punishment um so recognizing that you know that was my normal and actually it's not normal and it's not the normal I want to be continuing or passing down in my um family so I had to take some steps to to change that and um yeah it's not always been easy because as we said earlier some of these generational patterns or family patterns are so you know built into our systems they're really quite difficult to recognize at times so it does take you know a lot of work and being kind to ourselves you know don't beat yourself up that oh you made a mistake again you got it wrong again just knowing that oh hang on you've done it again that's a great step forwards because you're starting to get that awareness and see that oh, this is a pattern that I have that I play out so now I can start to change that pattern and create a new play, create a new story. Essentially, how am I going to show up in the world? Am I going to continue um, sh- uh, showing the same patterns that you know my, whole, my that have been inherent in our dyna- in our generational dynamics, or am I going to start to show up in a different way? Um, let's see.
1: Well, awareness is key, there, isn't it? And so you would be aware as a child that, you know, you you would have feelings or emotions, you'd be sat at the dinner table, people might be talking, but you're not really feeling like you've been heard. And that's eating away at you for a while. So did, would you say that that kind of led you down to some dead ends, like right, with regards to what you try and do with career or life or relationships? How did you know the feedback was coming to you that saying actually, there's something else out there that's more
2: important? Uh, well, it took a while. <laughs> Um, And it actually forced me to go within, I guess, um, which is where I then started to learn a lot more about myself and spirituality. Um, But you're right, uh, it affected my career. I would apply for jobs and I would have really low self-esteem and be really nervous, lacking in confidence. I didn't actually expect, I suppose, I didn't actually expect to achieve good things. And probably going back to what Gareth and I were talking about earlier about women moving into the workplace, Um, you know, women in my family hadn't had careers, so I didn't have any role models. Um, I also believed that I would naturally be progressed up the corporate ladder. You know, I didn't really fight for the jobs or the roles, I I was, you know, the good girl sitting at the desk. Um, and then would get frustrated and angry or whatever the emotion was because I wasn't where I wanted to be um, in life.
1: And what, what were you doing before this then? What were you doing? What was, what was the desk? What was it you were working in? What was
2: it? So, um, uh, probably, yeah, my first sort of jobs were in um, television. Worked for ITV for a number of years and then some independent production companies I initially started in the commissioning side where um, producers would come and pitch show ideas to us Um, and then I transitioned across to the production side Um, and then again after not really getting the role that I wanted um, and uh, having to face redundancy um, I did get a bit of courage and I took some of my redundancy money and decided that I was going to go off and become a documentary filmmaker, as you do. <laughs> well, trying that for a couple of years didn't, uh, didn't work out for me, but it certainly um, uh, gave me some more skills. Um, I travelled to different countries, so again, it helped me to um, connect with people, I guess, and learn how to draw out information from them. When I was interviewing them,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably a wealth of experience and stuff that will be of benefit to you now that you didn't
2: exactly I had no uh, idea yeah. back then.
1: <laughs> you're reeling from the fact that you can't make it as a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> you're
0: appreciating all the experiences and knowledge that you gained. Make
2: mm.
0: any films that we might have seen, even though it wasn't successful. <laughs>
2: I did get, I did get a film onto Amazon and some uh, film festivals, but yeah, I didn't, didn't make it. <laughs> <I> didn't <laughs> become the millionaire. <laughs> That's
0: the definition of making it? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. a film on Amazon sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what was the film?
2: Oh, I did, um, I, I've always been fascinated with arts and um, I actually, like puppetry, because I think it kind of reflects the human condition, Um, and I think, um, well, so my concept idea was to look at real issues, whether they're social, environmental, or cultural, but if we, obviously with documentaries, you have a historical piece that you need to cover, so how was I going to tackle that, Um, when obviously you can't go back in time, So the idea was that I would bring the arts, um, storytelling through the arts to cover historical um, parts of the the story. Um, So I traveled to India with a view actually to um, tackle an issue around women, again, women rising in careers and, you know, stepping outside of their um, family role, but ended um, (laughs) ended up Making a film about, um, a, well, environmental film about sustainable waste. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs>
0: couldn't be any further from the concept.
2: Exactly, <laughs> but I did feature a woman, uh, a woman puppeteer. <laughs> so she was my my um, I don't character know. character to follow.
1: I think sustainable waste is probably
2: sparkly, uh, isn't it? Very I relevant. Think.
1: Yeah, about what people are stuck. It's Very relevant. Kind of thing, isn't it? It's an interesting little analogy there. Right. So that's what we're dealing with. Somebody who's entrenched in, in that background, which is really encouraging. So mm-hmm. I think I've asked you this before, but somebody comes to you, they say, right, I'm not happy. I don't feel like I'm achieving whatever this reason is. What happens next? They can go for one of your options. You've got the free. Um, experiential moment, which would be like a sort of an hour sort of listening to them say what they need to say. Um, you've then got the drop in, which is from panic to possibility. So that's where they start to freak out and they're like, hang on a minute, what, what can I do to get through this moment now to get back to feeling better about myself? Well, then you've got the 12 week program. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if people have gone through the first and second phases and they're starting to see benefits of it, then they're, they're obviously really keyed up and, and, and chomping at the bit to get on there so i don't want you to give away stuff for free but with regards to the 12-week program what are some of the things that you would do with people for example on from a spiritual component what would you do with people on the on the, on the physical component what what techniques would you use to help bring them out what would happen when they sit down in front of you online and say right let's go for it
2: okay so We would go through, we would take the client through a gradual process um, which is tailored to their needs um, their pace and their desired outcome and also meet them where they are in their own personal growth. Um, So perhaps spirituality may not come in until much later if they're not, you know, if they haven't been on that path. Um, So we might start working with whatever the mental emotional uh, issue is. Um, and then we use a, power, uh, a variety of tools and techniques, one of them being a powerful breathing technique. Um, I think, you know, not much credit is given to breath, but of course that's our vital um, energy force. Without breath, we're, we're not living, are we? And, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I, I used to very much be a shallow breather. A lot of us go through life really shallow breathing and that shallow breath can cause us anxiety, and cause us to feel panicked, so we might take them through a, a technique initially to, before we go into the session, where we just get them into that calm state. So um, we can have a go now, if if you like.
0: This is <laughs> part of the show, as far as I'm concerned, you know, when we get into breathing exercises live on on air, you know, it's just nirvana for me. Paul gets <laughs> to do this all the time hence the <laughs> <laughs> So it's good to have somebody doing it to him this time.
2: Yeah, okay. Oh, really? So if you want if you want to get just comfy in your chair, just relax into your chair and just start to follow your breath in and out. What we're going to do we'll be is following
0: take a... on at home with this as well.
2: Sorry, Gareth.
0: Hopefully our listeners are following on at home with this as well.
2: Well, obviously, if you're driving, just take take care or, or do this later. <laughs> um, but yeah, just start to follow your breath in and out. Just let it fall into a natural rhythm. And then what we're going to do is take a deep breath in through our nose for four. Really fill up your belly, and then hold it for four and then breathe out of your mouth for four. Hold for four. And then repeat, breathe back through your nose, deep, deep into your belly. Hold for four. And release back out of your mouth for four. And then hold for four and then back into your nose, hold for four, and then out of your mouth for four, and hold for four, and that's a real um, good exercise that you can quickly do for instant stress relief. Uh, How does that make you feel? call
1: cool, still with us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's every time, doesn't it? You immediately cut out all the chatter, the mental chatter. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're just not thinking. You're not thinking of anything <laughs> clever or funny to say. You, 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 it puts you in a position of receiving instead of having to send. And um, yeah. Right if if, you, if you're not your breathing never gets thought about until you can't breathe <laughs> yeah until you can't breathe and it becomes the only thing you can think about so right
2: and often you know we're panicked we get a panic attack and what's a panic attack is when we're not you know
0: we can't breathe yeah. i think we'll take that as a successful demonstration you made paul speechless. that doesn't happen very often
2: Uh, obviously put him in a very calm state so yeah it's effective so we start with breath um and then we use um techniques to help uh, a client get clear on their intentions and you know work out if these intentions are achievable um we look at what might be blocking them from achieving those goals um and usually that's a belief that they hold about themselves. Um, so that's when we start to do deeper work on shifting that belief pattern. And we might use techniques such as visualization um, so that the client will start to be able to you know, imagine or see what their life would look like um, with their, once their dream was achieved, their desire was achieved, and then start to become more aware of well, what thoughts and what feelings come up Um, whilst I'm doing that visualization process. And then that helps us to identify, well, where where are the blocks that they're holding? Um, And often that also comes in noticing, well, do I hold tension in my body whilst I'm doing this? Where is that tension? And so then we use a series of techniques and exercises, um, as I said earlier about, you know, reconnecting those broken circuits so that we start to feel more in flow. And then we can start to flow more in life um, and, uh, you know, have a, a better chance of success.
1: Um, I really like the example you give there of the circuitry. <clears throat> and if it's not stimulated, if it's not accessed, if it's not activated, it will diminish it will just recede. And those networks, those circuit networks will start to get implemented into those familiar channels that are getting used all the time to just reinforce them and make those same familiar patterns even more efficient, which just kind of leaves you even further into the hole that you don't necessarily want to get out of. And it's really exhilarating when you start switching that circuitry back on. Mm -hmm. And physiologically, when you start activating musculature, which has not been used for a long time, you can almost see people's brains ignite and switch on. And it would be the same if you broke somebody out of their eating habits and gave them something different to taste. All of a sudden, they start to become more stimulated, more interested in things. And the same would be if you get them out of their familiar environment and go and look at something different or uh, stop listening to the same songs on repeat all the time. You know, it's just that Mm -hmm. stimulation of that circuitry is a really powerful image that I'm going to steal and use for my patients from now on so thanks for that You're You're very welcome.
2: Really good. Thank you. well one thing for me is um I carried you know pain in my neck and shoulders for many many years you know 10 10 years and actually only recently has that started to diminish for me and I realized that a lot of it was because what I said earlier not being able to um, express myself I went through situations in my life where I didn't speak up when perhaps my boundaries were being um, overstepped and I think all of that carried this block of energy in my um, neck and shoulder so yeah, it's yeah well, you, <laughs>
1: your, your, your physical your, your posture will just simply your posture is really just an external manifestation of what you're feeling inside Right. So if you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, if you feel encumbered, if you feel like you've got a lot to deal with, then you're, you're instantly going to drop into that forward head position. Okay. Now what's stopping your head from dropping into the table or smashing into the keyboard is going to be the muscle you down the back into the neck. And you can try and correct that physiologically by getting people to engage with things and try and be aware of the posture. And you can get some input on there. But ultimately, if the root of their, 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 their cause is unhappiness or they're frustrated or they need to take shelter, they're just going to drop straight back into those familiar patterns anyway so it's really interesting to hear you talk about dealing with things that are right at the core issue what i believe is at the core issue so wow there's like a million other questions i could i could dive into here but we, 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 i don't know how we're doing for time gareth you're the, you're the end
0: Not about 10 15 minutes left i think
1: fantastic all right well look Duty calls. I've got to obey the calls and demands of nature. All right. <laughs> so, um, please keep talking. I'm going to disappear for about three or four minutes.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Excellent. Uh, thanks for the warning. <laughs> Maybe um, come back to the storytelling because I, I think that's really interesting. And you know, your history, obviously, your um, your backstory, obviously, plays into that uh, really well. Do you use storytelling within within your coaching, I mean, I've got in my mind, things like storyboarding and doing a a future timeline and uh, mapping out, you know, different characters and the the three-act play and all of that. So, uh, do you use those kinds of techniques in in what you do?
2: Um, Certainly for those that are open to that kind of thing. um, I mean, you've probably heard of uh, vision boards um, so we might encourage somebody to start creating a vision board of actually what what does this life that they want to be living look like?
0: Mm.
2: Um, so obviously, the more we see that, we start to um, embody that and start to believe that it, it could be possible. Um, I mean, that's been a struggle for me for, for a long time is yeah actually believing that, that things can be possible and not getting switching to default. Um, my default mode was not expecting that good things might happen, or good thing, or that things would work out for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, taking. And it's you know, it's you never at the end of the journey. It's, it's an ongoing process, and yeah. you know, whilst you might become more aware of things, there's always going to be something that might snap you back or send you back into those patterns. So it's just you know, maintaining, maintaining that um, as as you would your you know, this is our body is our vehicle for this life. So as you would
0: maintain your car, you need to maintain your, your body and your yeah. Pets. Body and mind, isn't it? I mean, we all fall into these because it's historical ideas about body and mind being separate, but actually it's body and mind together. It's not mental health or physical health, it's mental and physical health together. And, and just saying mental and physical health <laughs> makes that separation. I think we need to find a word that you know talks about health in a more holistic way but perhaps without using the word holistic that's got its own baggage uh, and state, uh, associated with it but um, yeah something that just we just talk about health rather than mental and physical health because they're not separate things
2: no that's right and you know I think one of the things that's missing a lot when we do talk about mental health is actually our emotional well-being um, because that plays a big part
0: yeah yeah absolutely um, so, it, the work that you do is online, it's, it's Zoom calls, right, I guess, mm-hmm. Other yes. digital platforms exist. Uh, so um, so how, do, how do people reach you, you know, if they wanted to talk to you and have a Zoom call with you? How do they uh, get in contact with you?
2: Okay, there's a number of ways. Um, they can visit our website which is www.wearetacc.com. You can reach us on social media. So our Facebook page is at Academy of Conscious Creators, or we're on Instagram, which is academy underscore of underscore conscious underscore creators <laughs> maybe you need to, to think about that before <laughs> but you, you would get there um and we've also actually just launched a uh short podcast series um where each week we look at different um topics around mental and emotional well-being and obviously what's um you know what, what our environment is presenting to us and you can find that um, on Anchor FM, which is anchor.fm forward slash conscious hyphen creators.
0: Very good. Lots of ways to find out more about you and get into it.
2: Absolutely.
0: I guess you know, question to, to almost wrap things up that perhaps should have started with is uh, what is conscious creation.
2: Well, it's what Paul was saying earlier. Becoming more aware, aware of our patterns and behaviours, so then we can start to shift them and create something new. So um,
0: like drawing the unconscious into the consciousness, and then uh, being able to play around with it and mould it, shape it, do something with it, rather than just having it stuck in the subconscious.
2: Exactly, and that's how we start to bridge over to the spiritual side of things as well. Um, yeah, so we're, we're more um, able to either consciously create our life or certainly to make conscious, informed choices in how, you know, in what we do in our life. Um, so many of us try to change something that we don't like in our life, but we're not looking at our behaviours and how we're impacting um, the experience that we're having.
1: Stuff. it's really tough to get people in touch with their own um i can't say what i was going to say because we're on a on on the show um the stuff that holds us back it's quite difficult to get people to even want to look at that there is an argument that's come up to me a few times which is that that repeated trauma that just keeps carrying on and on and on and on and on uh subconsciously is there for a reason and actually it's got us to this point here so it must be of some value right i mean there's pretty good you know arguments for saying actually i I don't want to change so i guess that's not your ideal customer then (laughs) if people entrenched it and they don't want to change don't, don't bother coming to look for you
2: well i think that you're right all these behaviors and and experiences that we've had in life have all served a purpose and there's always a lesson in it and the reason that it keeps coming back and repeating you know it's like a spiral you know we're not going back to oh we're back here again it's a spiral so we've actually learned something along the way and then there's something it's come up again because oh there's something more to learn from this experience and yeah if we're not enjoying it then it gives us that opportunity to look at oh well how have i been behaving have I been been contributing to these recurring patterns and what can I then do to shift it? And yes it might be painful because we might think oh you know what a you know what a fool or you know we might berate ourselves a little bit which you know we don't need to do because you're right there was always a there was a reason for us um, being in these patterns and some of it was to protect us some you know sometimes it was to keep us safe from, you know, whatever was happening in our life. Sometimes we reacted in the ways that we did because it was a safety mechanism. So I think, yeah, you've raised some valid points. Yeah,
0: I think it's different phases I felt like throw us different things at us and what worked for us in the past, in a certain situation or circumstance and you built that pattern in the first place, isn't necessarily going to work for us in the future. So it's not, blaming ourselves for that or taking any of that on board as well it's uh, about recognizing that where we are now isn't where we were and we may need to have different patterns and if we learn one pattern we can learn another one right right we must be kind to
2: ourselves sorry i was going to say we must be kind to ourselves because again if we you know if we beat each ourselves up and um
1: you know speak badly to ourselves and we're actually just recreating that same mm. cycle Yeah. well I, it, you were worried about whether you'd have enough to talk about for an hour yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a, another hour here um but I, I i have i do have time commitments i have to get on and, and and work i've got patients coming quite soon so i need to get myself away but um been really interesting hearing you out and meeting you face to face online and uh, I'm really intrigued and I, I, I would be in touch with you to find out more about your project and how you're working and see how I might be able to work with you and try and help people get the help that they need. Um, it's really encouraging. These are the sort of things I've had thoughts about for the last 20 years. Because you know, you know when you're getting to the core of something with someone that there's something that needs to happen inside them they're still looking for somebody else to make the change for them. And uh, it's very, very difficult, I find, in in, in in this culture, we talk about this sort of materialistic kind of financially based success model uh, for people to take responsibility for their own actions. It's like they were quite quick to point the finger and say, well, I'm in this position because this happened to me, and you did that to me, and that happened to me. And, and we're always pointing the finger outside. But very, very rarely do people actually understand but it's it like to take responsibility for their own actions mainly because it means you're going to have to admit that you were wrong about a load of stuff. Um, and you're going to have to go around and make some apologies to people that you probably don't really want to feel like you have to apologize to, whether that's just in your own head or actually to go that next step and actually reach out and make some connections and try and rebuild those bridges. Right. So yeah, I think it's all a thousand people <laughs> that are in that position that need to make that, that, that transition. It's nice to know that there's somebody out there who's actually woken up and actually put it out there. It's very brave. And um, I wish you all the success in the world and I'll, I'll be in touch to see how I might be able to help you.
2: Oh, all right? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed the conversation with you. And yeah, just what you were saying, I've, I've had to go through a lot of that myself and I'm sure there's more stuff to to come up and unpick for myself. And you're right, responsibility is key in all, in all areas of our life. And one of my harder lessons was know repeating the same pattern with certain people in my life and not realizing that actually I had to change you know like no amount of begging and pleading for someone else to change their behaviors was was gonna work and it was up to me to you know either step out and say actually I'm not gonna do this anymore and um, even though it sounds really simple it's uh, not always obvious. (laughs)
1: Well, we kind of get these messages in this sort of it almost sounds like cliches now, like, uh, you know, be the change that you want to be in the world. But actually, there's more wisdom there than we realize. And it's I guess if you kind of repeat it again and again and again, especially by mainstream culture, it almost loses its value. So to actually see a real person talking about taking responsibility and, and, and changing themselves in order to invoke change in other people.
0: That's really good. I really like that. That's really encouraging
2: thank you thank you
0: so much very good well thank you Thanks. for being on the show today victoria it's been fascinating to have you on and wish you all the very best with the new venture and as, as paul has said i think any amount of opportunity there and building relationships with people like paul who uh you've got real synergy with is, is going to be a fantastic way to uh, build your business and, uh, all the very best to you and uh, thank you for coming on yeah i look
2: forward to that paul and thank you so much for inviting me on the show have a lovely day ahead.
0: Thank you, Gareth. Okay, thanks everybody. Um, thanks for listening to the show, and uh, I hope you've uh, found that as interesting as, as I have, and as uh, Paul seems to have done as well. And uh, we'll see you all next week, or we'll speak to you all next week uh, on next week's show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Well Engaged Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Uh, Tune in again for another chat between myself and uh, my co-host, Paul Tootelman. Same time next week. Bye-bye.